Now, enough about these games, because I think I gave you a nice little break now, for those that still care. Let me start, before I get to Stearns, with Buck Showalter's comedy made to Gary Cohen from Tuesday night. So I'm watching this game Tuesday. I'm relaxed. I'm feeling good. And Gary Cohen gives the, you know what, maybe, should I just play the audio? I know I'm doing this by myself. I'll play it through my phone in case you missed it. Hopefully it sounds good. If it doesn't, just blame Pete. You ready? Here we go. Hold on, I got to start from the beginning. Here we go. Hey, it's Hoff. Guess what? The audio didn't work. But if my recollection, if I remember properly, because you played this for the media this morning, that Buck Showalter basically told everyone that he, only reason why he was playing guys like Brett Beatty versus left-handers in the National Series was because the Nationals were out of contention. But versus other teams, that may not happen. They may have to play guys like Aruiz or whoever because it would, wouldn't be fair to those playoff-bound teams or those teams fighting for the playoffs. I think I got that right. Hopefully I did. Hopefully I didn't screw it up. All right. This is ridiculous. I mean, that, that comment, if Buck actually said that, and I believe he did, is absolutely asinine. Buck Showalter is telling us, the consumer and the diehard fan, that we need to care more about the Diamondbacks, Reds, Marlins, Cubs, Giants pennant race than we should the development of the team that we pay money for and care about. That's what he said. He said to Gary Cohen, well, against the Nationals, sure, I'll throw Brett Beatty against the lefty and see what he's got, which matters. But against the Reds or against the Marlins or against the Diamondbacks, I can't do that because I owe it to the other teams that are in a pennant race to put the guys on the field that give me the best chance to win. Because in his point is, look, Brett Beatty sitting 130 against lefties, that doesn't give me the best chance to win but it gives me the best chance to evaluate what I have. I'm, I'm sorry, and this may sound hyper, like hyperbole, but I've had hours to think about this, so it's not. That's a fireable comment. That's an insulting comment. I am deeply insulted by Buck Showalter caring more about the Cincinnati Reds than he cares about us. And I'm sorry if you take that and say, Evan, you're, you're taking it too far. I don't think I am. I do not care. You should not care. Buck Showalter should not care about the integrity of the Marlins Reds wildcard race. It's not as if the Mets are going to put position players on the mound. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting doing what Doug Peterson did with the Eagles a couple of years ago against Washington. No, what I'm merely saying is that Brett Beatty needs to be evaluated. And I'm not going to avoid evaluating him because in Buck Showalter's warped mind, we need to give the Reds the benefit of Jonathan Aruz playing third base. It's asinine. And if Steve Cohen heard that, and I hope he does, I think he's got to call up Buck and say, that's, that's insane. Like, okay, I'm not going to fire you, but I'm going to tell you, don't pull that shit. That's what I would say. Because that's what it is. I don't think this is debatable. I don't think there's another side of this. I think that Buck Showalter needs to put the interest of the New York Mets ahead of the interest of the Cincinnati Reds. And I hate to pick on the Reds. I'm just using them as an example. That's insane. 
And the more I think about it, Gary Cohen knows it's insane. And Gary Cohen knew the reaction it would get. And Gary Cohen was disgusted by it because there's been some evidence over the last couple of years. Gary's done with Buck. Now, Gary didn't like the whole, uh, which I supported Buck about, the whole Joe Musgrove thing from the wild card series last year. I thought Buck was right. I stand by that. But this is not right. I mean, it's, it's, cra- it's actually crazy. You care more about the integrity of the wild card race than giving a fair evaluation to the players on your roster? Come on. So those comments were, were, were stupid. They were horrific. And look, David Stearns is going to take over. And right now, if you ask me, is Buck Showalter the manager of this team? I think it's like 70-30 no. And not necessarily because of these comments, but because if David Stearns is going to take over as the president of baseball operations or the president in general, he's probably going to want to bring in his own manager. That's what I'm thinking. And Buck Showalter is not necessarily going to be the guy. Now, as far as David Stearns is concerned, it it does sound like this thing is happening. Uh, The latest report was there's building momentum towards David Stearns accepting this position, that they're way down the road on conversations, that they've talked about contracts, that it's probably going to happen. The one thing that did concern me was that his wife is from Houston. <laughs> the only reason that concerns me is if his wife's from Houston and the Astros are going after him too, I mean, it's certainly possible David Stearns, despite growing up as a Med fan, says, I'm, I'm going to keep my wife happy. Excuse me while I gulp some water. <laughs> so, look, I, I still think he's taking the job. I still think that eventually this reality we've all sort of known about for a year and a half to two years is going to happen. But there is a little worry when you hear, well, his wife's from Houston and the Astros are also interested. David Stearns is also the right guy for this job. Now we're going to do a podcast and I think we're going to do it probably next week. We got a little bit of time. We're going to do a deep dive on David Stearns' resume, the good, the bad, the indifferent, because I think from afar, our reaction to David Stearns is kind of simple, which is He's from New York, he's a Met fan, and the Brewers have been successful as a small market team. Now, if you take what the Brewers have done and you add the money that Steve Cohen has, that this could be even bigger and better. Now, it doesn't always work out that way. That's why I think we need to kind of dive deeper into what David Stearns has done as the general manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. But let's not get this confused. If David Stearns takes over, and he will, He is running the show. Like, Billy Epler will still be here, and he'll still be around, and you'll hear his name. But the buck's going to stop with David Stearns. When we talk about the Mets making a trade, we're going to talk about David Stearns. Now, there are some positions in sports where the guy who isn't the GM, who's something else, something above him, gets all the attention. The Knicks are a great example of that. Leon Rose is not the GM of the Knicks. He's the president of the Knicks. For a while... Their GM was Scott Perry. No one talked about Scott Perry. So this is going to be David Stern's show. Will he fire Buck Showalter and hire Craig Council? 
I don't think it's as cut and dry as that because I'm not sure if Craig Council necessarily wants to manage in New York. He's a Midwest guy. He has no connection to the Mets other than his relationship with David Stearns. And while they may have a great relationship, that may not be enough for him to say, hey, I want to go from that, which is the laid back, no pressure in Milwaukee, to New York City, where everything is questioned. But I do think the eventual hiring of David Stearns opens up the future of Buck to being much more of a coin toss. Much more of a, we'll see. I know Cohen and Epler have said all the right things about Buck and how much blame he deserves for this failure. And it's not necessarily pinning the blame on him. It's more, there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new guy running the organization, and that guy may want his own guy managing the team. But it is very exciting. I I hope this happens soon. I hope that we can finally put an end to this, this concept, because it's been years of this. Mets are trying to get permission to talk to him. Mets are talking to the Brewers, Mark Antoniso, about can they talk to David Stearns? Well, now they finally can. (coughs) So I think it'll be nice to have this thing done if it, in fact, gets done, and it's certainly looking that way. Real quick, as my cough has come back, as you could probably tell over the last few minutes, I was reading a little bit about the posting system because Yamamoto appears to be the likeliest Met starting pitching free agent target. You don't have to give up the compensation of a draft pick. You just have to give up money. And obviously, the Mets have now created this connection in the Far East. So the way the posting system works, just some facts. I was reading about it, and I thought it was interesting. Between November 1st and December 5th, that's kind of the time frame we're looking at, uh, a player can be posted by their team from the Nippon Pro Baseball League and Major League Baseball. For his posting to become official, both the team and the player must agree on the posting. I think that seems inevitable. Yamamoto wants to come over. He's going to be posted. Question is, when does it happen between November 1st and December 5th? The NBP team will tell the NBP commissioner, who then will tell Rob Manfred the player has been posted, and then all Major League Baseball teams are notified. At that moment, all clubs are free to negotiate with Yamamoto. You then have, from the moment he's posted, 45 days to negotiate with Yamamoto after he's posted. If no agreement is reached in that time frame, the player returns to the Nippon Baseball League. That's it. He cannot be posted until the following season. So it's over. So if in 45 days, Yamamoto doesn't feel comfortable with the offers that he's made and he doesn't accept any of the offers, it's done. And he goes back to the Nippon Pro Baseball League. If Yamamoto signs a contract with an MLB team by the end of the signing period, he becomes a part of that MLB team and the NBP team receives a bid fee for the transfer. So this is where it's purely financial and that's the muscle that Steve Cohen has. For major league contracts with a total guarantee value of $50 million or more, the release fee will be 20% of the first $25 million plus 17% of the next $25 million plus. The the one thing I don't know, and this, I guess, matters more so to Steve Cohen than maybe us, is does the posting fee, this tax you have to pay, does that also get taxed via the Cohen tax? Or is it simply looking at whatever the final contract is? This is going to be expensive. Now, I don't know what Yamamoto eventually gets. I would, 
I would just venture to say it's a little bit more than what Kodai got. He's younger. I think he's highly regarded, more highly regarded. So probably gets a little bit more. So you not only have to pay him that, you got to deal with this tax we're talking about. But if I had to sit here right now and guess, that's, that's what I think they do. I do. I, I think if I had to guess right now, they're going to add starting pitching during the offseason, and I think Yamamoto is going to be their main target. And again, Steve Cohen will use the muscle of money to get that deal done. One other thing I want to touch on before I cough it up. There was a baseball game on Wednesday night. There was a baseball game that featured the Houston Astros taking on the Texas Rangers. There was a baseball game that featured a pitching matchup between Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. And as you would expect, this was a really big game. If you take a look at what's going on right now in the American League, not only are the Mariners, the Astros, and the Rangers fighting for a postseason spot, they're fighting for the division. You know, the Astros have bounced back from the Yankee sweep with back-to-back wins against Texas, and they came into this game 79-61. and They came into this game two games ahead of the Texas Rangers, who are on a two-game losing streak. They have jumped ahead of the Seattle Mariners. What I'm trying to tell you is this was a huge game, monstrous game, especially for Texas, because this is the finale of the series. They lose this game. They get swept. You don't want to get swept by the Houston Astros. You don't want to get the Houston Astros hot. The pitching matchup was Justin Verlander against Max Scherzer. I'd love to share with you how Max did. (laughs) I mean, it's a big game, so you know what that means. Three innings, six hits, seven runs, three home runs. (laughs) Mercenary piece of craps. Oh, it's so Max Scherzer, isn't it? Now, I don't care how Verlander did, and Verlander did well. I don't have ill feelings towards Justin Verlander. I don't. Justin Verlander has become this irrelevant player in the history of the New York Mets. Now, he could take that as an insult, I guess. He doesn't mean anything to me. Like, there aren't many bad moments I think of. There aren't really any good moments I think of. Justin Verlander just happened to spend a couple of months with the New York Mets. So it's not as if I'm rooting for him. I just, he doesn't mean anything to me. Max Scherzer sucked. Max Scherzer, and we were all excited about it. I admit it. We were all excited about the signing. Max Scherzer was so bad in every big moment. You name the big moment, he was bad. If Max Scherzer wasn't bad in every big moment, the fate of our franchise would look different. If Max Scherzer isn't booed off the mound and throwing batting practice against the Padres, things are different in that series. If Max Scherzer doesn't crap the bed in Atlanta last year, things are different with the division. And if Max Scherzer doesn't crap the bed in every big moment in 2023, maybe they're not selling. So to see Max Scherzer in his first truly big start as a member of the Texas Rangers be as bad as he's ever been in a big spot is a crying shame. Spoiler alert, he's hurt. He's battling through some injury, but he knows his body. Well, you may know your body. I know the results. Big moment, small outing from Max Scherzer. We appreciate you listening to the Rico. 
Now we get another off day, and then we get a weekend in Minnesota against the Twins. You can email the pod, thericob at gmail.com, thericob at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening and downloading Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>